Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
songbooks 314 and 315. Listen, all hail the...
stormy night Battles are raging with ruthless plight Soldiers giving their life for a life Defenders of freedom and right. Bravely they watch as the blazing sky gives proof through the first gleam of morning bright. For yonder still waving their symbol of right old glory the stars and the stripes old glory still stands for a country free its beauty find him guilty crucified crucified and they mock him crown him pierce his precious side love carries what should have been The sun was darkened, the heavens cried, the nails had been driven, the Savior had died. Jesus giving his life for thy life. By his scars and his stripes, oh glory and praise, I have been set free by the blood of the
the news came to Jesus, please come fast. Lazarus is sick, and without your help, he will not last. Mary and Martha, watch their brother die. They waited for Jesus. He did not come, and they wondered why. The death watch was over, buried for days. Somebody said, he'll soon be here, the Lord's on his way. Martha ran to him, and there she cried Lord if you had been here you could have healed him he'd still be alive but you're four days late and all hope is gone Lord we don't understand why you've waited so but his way is God's way, not yours or mine. And isn't it great when he's four days late, he's still on time. Jesus said, Martha, show me the grave. But she said, Lord, you don't understand he's been there for days the gravestone was rolled back then jesus cried lazarus come forth then somebody said he's alive he's alive not appear friends don't be discouraged cause he's still the same he'll soon be here he'll roll back the stone and he'll call out your name when he's four days late and all hope is gone
One day a crowd stood face to face with the holy God of every race. A final chance for them to humbly bow. But as their king was crucified, no tears of sorrow filled their eyes as they cursed his name and spat upon his brow. They should have cried, Holy, worthy, as loud their voices raised. They should have cried, Master, we surrender. To your will and to your way Instead they cried, crucify Let him die, let's take his life away They should have cried holy On crucifixion No greater love was ever shown than the love he showed his very own. As he prayed, Father, for this deed, forgive. He knew that they were unaware that holy God was hanging there. Oh, what an opportunity they missed. They should have cried, holy, worthy, as loud their voices raised. They should have cried, Master, we surrender to your will and to your way. Instead they cried, crucify, let him die, let's take his life away. They should have cried, holy, on crucifixion
Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Thank you, Brother Tim. Praise the Lord. This week at the uh, Kentucky Baptist Convention, uh, our church was recognized for uh, being the 22nd highest in all of Kentucky and the 12th uh, highest per capita in our giving through the cooperative program, of course, which is what supports our missionaries, both uh, in our state and our nation and around the world. It's what supports our six seminaries. It's what supports ministries like Sunrise uh, and our other uh, uh, Baptist, Baptist schools, and so uh, we are so thankful for the opportunity uh, to be recognized in that way, but also I'm so thankful to be the pastor of a church with folks who are so willing uh, to give not only of their financial resources, but of their talents and their abilities, and uh, just like this morning, uh, Brother Rockney had this emergency, and as soon as Brother Tim walked in, I asked him, he said, of course, I'll do that, no problem, and we have uh, folks so willing to serve wherever asked, in, the in, in season and out of season, and uh, I'm so thankful for that, and appreciate Brother Tim stepping in uh, at an absolute moment's notice. Uh, that, that was a great, great thing, uh, but if you will turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter Chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at the first two verses this morning as we focus on how to be a follower of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as you turn there. Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you. We thank you for another opportunity to worship. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to spend time in prayer, and and now as we open up your word, I know that you're going to speak to us. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that that we have this relationship with you, and I pray that we would see how it is that we're to walk with you, how it is we can be these imitators of God. Lord, how how does that happen? Lord, I'm so thankful that Paul gives us the instructions of how we are to walk in that way. Uh, But Lord, I also know that I have friends here today that don't yet know you as Savior and as Lord. And so I pray today that as we speak about how we follow God, Lord, they'd recognize that they need to be followers of God as well. They'd be convicted in their heart uh, that they need to come to you. And the Holy Spirit would do that work that only he can do to draw them. And so, Lord, we pray for salvation in this place even today. And Lord, as uh, that takes place, we'll be sure to give you the honor and the glory and the praise for it. Uh, Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel hiding behind the cross that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1878, William Gladstone presented himself before Parliament to announce the death of Queen Victoria's daughter, Princess Alice of Britain. And in making the announcement, Gladstone told this very touching story. Princess Alice had seven children. Six of them came down with diphtheria during an epidemic in England. Her youngest child, Marie, had a painful death in spite of her mother's tender care and attention. The princess concealed this sad news from the other children as long as she possibly could to try to protect them from the shock and and from more pain. Later, though, she had to reveal it to her son, Ernest, who was very devoted to his little sister. 
Ernest was overcome with grief and, and he began to break down, shaking in tears. And in an affectionate attempt to console and to try to comfort her grieving son who himself had diphtheria. She clasped him in her arms and she began to kiss him, ignoring the doctor's warnings. Alice was very weak from the heavy work and severe strain and so she easily caught the infection. And within a week after the kiss of love, Princess Alice fell severely ill, and she breathed her last on the morning of December the 14th, 1878. What that mother did was a picture of true love. She loved her child and was willing to sacrifice herself in order to come and comfort that child. That mother's love is a wonderful illustration of the love of God for us. It is also a picture of the kind of love that we are told that we are to have for one another in order for us to be an accurate picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to the world around about us. And so this morning as we enter into chapter 5, we are immediately confronted by this passage and it demands something that seems impossible to us. We are called to be like God. We're called to be like God. We're called to love like He loves. That sounds like an impossible task and in and of ourselves it would be. How can we sinful, human, frail, failing people ever be like Him? How can we ever hope to love like Him? This text has much to say about that call the Lord has placed on our lives. We're going to spend our time this morning just looking at these first two verses here in chapter 5. And this morning I want you to see how to be a follower of God. With these impossible instructions and commands, how are we to be followers of God? I want you to notice the challenges and how those challenges can be met as Paul presents these thoughts to us here in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You may be seated. There in verse 1 we're told that there is a person to imitate. There is a person to imitate. The word therefore, again, causes us to ask the question, what's it therefore? What, 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 are, what is the reason that Paul tells us this? And he's calling us to our attention back to look at chapter 4. We're reminded that the saints of God have been saved by the grace of God. And because they have been saved, they are to be different in the way that they walk, in the way that they talk, and in the way that they think. They are to be different in every area of life. The old man of sin with all the evil desires and appetites is to be put off in the new man, the new man created in righteousness with an appetite for righteousness and the glory of God is to then be put on. And since we have been made a new creature in Jesus, we are to live as new creatures in our daily lives. And so now having challenged us to bring our tongues, our anger, 
our work ethic, our bitterness, and our revenge, seeking under the control of God and having challenged us to be forgiving and kind and compassionate towards one another. Here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, he poses a great challenge for all of us. And I want us to examine that for just a moment. First, there is a command here. He says, be ye therefore followers of God. Be ye followers of God. That word followers means to mimic to be an imitator. If you've ever had a child in the back seat of your car who is mimicking everything you say, you kind of understand what we're doing here. You're supposed to be exactly like God, saying exactly what he says and acting exact, exactly as he acts. The command here is for us as people of God to imitate God in everything that we do. We are to learn all we can about God and we're to mimic his characteristics in our lives. I look at this command and I don't know about you, but I see some real problems because we can never imitate God in all ways. We can never truly imitate God in his essential essence. In other words, God is perfect and we are flawed. God is omnipotent and we are weak. God is omniscient and we are fools. God is omnipresent and we are finite. God is holy good. We are holy evil. God is spirit. We are flesh. God is eternal. We are temporal. God is heavenly. We are earthly. God is infinitely holy and we are completely wicked. We are to learn all we can about the Lord from his word. And we are to put into practice everything that we know about him. We are to do the things that we see him doing and we are to avoid the things we see him avoiding. We are to be like God in every respect. In essence, God is here commanding us to do something that is impossible within ourselves. God knows that. God knows that we were born with a sin nature. God knows that we were born weak and frail. God knows that. And God knows that left to our, ourselves that we could never be imitators of God. And so we see here, secondly, that there is a condition. There is a condition. We are told to imitate God, but we are told to do so as dear children. As dear children. You see, because it's natural, it's a completely natural thing for children to imitate their parents, to want to be like their parents, to want to try to walk in their parents' footsteps. Children often have their parents' nature, their behaviors, and their actions. For instance, Levi acts just like me at a basketball game. What are you laughing for? Everyone in here has seen me at a basketball game, I guess. But he does. Liz Kate loves to put on makeup and have her mama fix her fingernails and do manicures and pedicures. And she loves to do all the things that her mama does because she's following her. And I'm not going to talk about Daniel because he's sitting in here. But um, <laughs> you can be around a child. You can be around a child and you can see their parents in the way that that child walks, in the way that they talk, in the things that they do, in their mannerisms. You can see what their parents are like many times because you can watch that child. That's why it's terrifying to have, you know, a four-year-old going into Sunday school. You're like, what are they going to say <laughs> in that class? Because they just repeat everything they hear. But you know those things. You know that they imitate their children, that these children imitate their parents. And while that is true in our earthly families, it is even more true in our heavenly family. Like beloved children, we're 
to be ever near our parent, learning, observing, growing. We are brought near to our Heavenly Father so that we might learn His ways and that we might become more like Him each and every day. That's that sanctification process that's going on in our lives. And so when the Lord saved us, He did so with a purpose. Romans 8 verse 29, we see God's purpose in redemption is to make us more like Him. Paul says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We see also that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. It is to become holy like our holy God. We see this in Matthew 5:48. He says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. We also see that it is God's plan for each one of us as his redeemed children to, to be like him. First Peter 1, 14 and 16, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. And ultimately, that is how we become like our Father. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when it, He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And so we are unable to imitate God through our own power. While we can't be holy on our own, we see here that as redeemed children of God, we have been empowered to live like, to act like, and to talk like our Heavenly Father. He has empowered us and enabled us to live holy lives for His glory because the Holy Spirit indwells us. We have the Holy Spirit living within us and therefore we have the ability to imitate our Father. We are not merely slaves following in the footsteps of a demanding master. We are sons, we are daughters of God, redeemed by His grace, adopted into His family and partakers of His very nature. Second Peter 1, 4, he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Church, we are the temples of God. We have been indwelled by His Spirit and we have been made able to walk and to imitate our Father. He is holy, so now we are holy. He is loving, so now we are loving. He is forgiving, and so we are to be forgiving. He is truthful, so we are now to be truthful. He is patient, so we are to be patient. He is kind, so we are to be kind. He is compassionate, so we are to be compassionate. Everything God is, He wants us as His sons and daughters to be. That's what it means to be an imitator of God as dearly beloved children. So where do we learn these things? We learn them from His Word. We learn them from observing Him. We learn them by watching Him work in the lives of others. We learn these things from simply walking with Him each and every day. So walk with Him, learn from Him, be like Him. But secondly, we see there in verse two, the first part of verse two, that there is a precept to initiate. We have just been told that we are to be imitators of God, but now we're told to imitate His love. So after all, God is love. That is, His very nature is defined by His love. Everything He does, He does out of love. 
The overriding characteristic of God's person is his love. His people have experienced that love. And since he is love and since he has placed his love within us, we are to walk in love as well. That word walk means to regulate one's life. And so our very lives are to be controlled, to be driven, and to be defined by love. The word love here translates, we know, to the word agape. Um, We're very familiar with that word. You've heard me preach on it. I'm sure you've heard evangelists and other preachers preach on that word. It is a word that is used to speak of God's love for mankind. Now, Again, we've spoken many times of the fact that in ancient Greece, uh, there were very, very common words used uh, to describe our one word for love. There were three, actually, that were commonly used here. Uh, it's, it's often interchanged with those words for affection, uh, often interchanged with those words for, for, for sexual love. The New Testament takes that common word, though, and elevates it to agape. The New Testament takes this word and redeems it, using it to speak of the love of Almighty God. It speaks of a love that is unconditional, that it's undeserved, it's unending, and it's, it's self-sacrificing. It is not just mere fondness of somebody saying, oh, I just love the steak at that place. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not just the kind of love that one would find in a family setting. It's, it's greater than that. It is certainly not the love that the world knows, that love that is tied to lustful passions. No. This kind of love arises out of God's grace. It is a love that sells itself to one toward, toward the undeserving. It is a love that cannot be bought or turned away. It is a love that is powerful, eternal, redemptive, and undeserved. It is a love that has no counterpart in the universe. You see, yet it is a love that we are commanded to imitate And that's a tall order for us, isn't it? For us to love like our Savior loves. The law of love or God's expectation of his people is laid out in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. And that passage says this, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's take a look at this important text. We are to love God supremely, we are told. We are told to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. The heart refers to the core of our being. Our soul is speaking of our emotions, and then the mind to our intellect, our will, our our determination. We are to love him with our whole person is what is being said here. Our our love for him should be all-consuming. It should be complete. It should be emotional. It should be a love based on the knowledge of who God is, but it also should be willful love in which we are determined to love him no matter what. Genuine love is intelligent. It's feeling, it's willing and serving. It involves thoughts, sensitivity, intent, and appropriate actions. Every act, every thought, every attitude, everything is to be a response of our love for Him. And so if we love God, that love will demonstrate itself in every area of our lives. So we are to love others as much as we love ourselves. Now, we love ourselves 
pretty well, don't we? Well, we take care of ourselves, don't we? We do everything we can to meet our needs. Now, I know this is true of Southern Baptists. When we are hungry, we eat. I mean, a lot. I've been around some of you folks. When we're hungry, we eat. When we're thirsty, we drink. When we are sick, we find a doctor and we go. When we want something, we most often find a way to get it. We take care of ourselves. In that same manner, we are commanded to actively seek now the good of others. To the same degree we take care of us, we are to take care of the needs of others. We are called upon to be the embodiment of the love of God in our interaction with others. We are to seek the best for others in all things and at all times. Our love for others is to be the same sort of love that we have for God. And so this is not a new notion though. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses uh, 4 through 9, and then verse 11, and then verses 13 through 21, and then if you look over at Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 40, all of those declare the obligation for the people of God to love the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 4 and, 5, 4 and 5 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. The Jews recited that twice a day to remind them of this command. This is the same command Jesus gave to his people in the New Testament. God has always wanted his people to love him supremely. And so, how do we know that we are walking in love? The Bible is very clear. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know God's commandments. Are you keeping them? John chapter 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself in him. When I love him, I will be like him. When I am like him, I will love like he loves. But then lastly, I want you to look at the second part of verse 2. There is a provision that illustrates. To illustrate what genuine love looks like, Paul calls upon the sacrifice of Jesus for his people upon the cross. The greatest expression of love that the world has, has ever witnessed was the love that sent Jesus Christ to the cross of Calvary to die for us. The Lord's love for us was not just a deep affection. It was an emotional attachment. He he did not just give himself for us because we deserved anything from him. He did what he did simply because he set his sovereign, unconditional, gracious love on us. His love for us calls Jesus to leave heaven above, to come to this world, to live and to die for us. He is called an offering here. His life was poured out on the cross that we might have life in Him. And so His love for us calls Jesus to bear our sins on the cross. He is called a sacrifice. 
because like a sacrifice, he was slaughtered for our sins. His, his love caused him to suffer unspeakable cruelty for us. Jesus' love for the Father, though, caused him to give himself as a sacrifice to God. Yes, Jesus loves us, but he loves his, fa- his Father in heaven far more. And so when Jesus died, he died for us, yes, but he died primarily for the glory of the Father. We benefit from the Son's great love for the Father and to bring him glory. You see, God's love for Christ and for us caused the Father to accept the offering and sacrifice of the Son on the cross. He says, as a sweet-smelling Savior. God was pleased when the love of Christ sacrificed itself to redeem lost sinners for the glory of God. Us being saved brought God the most glory. And so, if you want to know what love looks like, go to Calvary and behold the Lamb of God dying for our sins. But verse 2 says that Christ hath given himself for us. He did that because he loved us. We are to manifest that same kind of selfless, self-sacrificing love towards others. Literally, we are to give ourselves out of the love of God and, and our love for him and for others. The call here is for the people of God to imitate their father and their savior by practicing unconditional, sacrificial love. When we practice his kind of love, it is a statement of our faith. And when we practice that kind of love, it is a sacrifice that pleases him. We are never, like, we are never more like the Father than when we love like he loves, forgive like he forgives, bless like he blesses, walk like he walked, live like he lived, think like he thinks. We are to live like our Father. We are to imitate him. We need to remember this, genuine love is always measured by what it gives, not by what it gains. Are we willing to love folks that will never love us back? Are we willing to sacrifice ourselves for folks that will never pay us back? Are we willing to love like Jesus? In all honesty, can others see the Father in you? When you ask yourself that this morning, How do you have to answer? And that's a hard question for any of us to ask. When other folks look at you and they look at the way you love and when they look at the way that you sacrifice and give, do do, do they see Jesus in your life? We're challenged to be so surrendered to the Father that we become like Him. When we imitate the Father, we will love like He loves. And that kind of love has the power to change lives, to change homes, to change churches, to change cities, to change nations, to change the world. The kind of love that Jesus has changes everything. That kind of love advertises the Father like nothing else can. That kind of love is unstoppable and it assails the hearts of lost sinners. That kind of love is essential in maintaining human relationships. That kind of love is necessary if we are to live holy lives. That kind of love is priceless in this world. That kind of love is available to all who will imitate the Father. And so the next question comes, are you his child? You see, notice what he said there. We are to imitate him as 
dear children. We're to imitate him as, as those who know him in this personal way where he is our father. And if he's not your father, then you can't imitate him. And so today, maybe you recognize that you're lost, but you don't want to be. You recognize that you're far from God, but you don't want to be. Today, if you will repent of your sin, turning away from it, and if you will come to Christ and accept him by faith, his grace will save you if you will come. Some of us recognize that our lives have not been a good picture of Jesus, that we have not been imitating him, and that if the world were to look at us, they would not see a clear picture of Jesus. Some of us need to spend some time here at this altar this morning, and we need to get some things right. Some of us may need to join this church family, other decisions that may need to be made. But how has the Lord spoken to you this morning? Are you imitating your Savior today? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for the opportunity to, to study this passage of Scripture. And as Paul writes to the Ephesians, he writes to us that we are to be imitators of you. We are to love like you love. We are, are to, to do this not in our own strength, but only in the power that we receive from the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And so, Lord, I pray right now that if there's any, even one today that's lost and they need to be saved, I pray they'd come and begin this relationship that allows them to, to act like you and, and, and to talk like you and think like you and love like you. I pray that they would come because, Lord, that's the greatest decision that they could ever make. But some of us know you and we're not acting like it. We're not living like it. But we're doing stuff that we know is completely contrary to your word. Lord, if that's, that's me, if it's my brother, if it's my sister, I pray we'd come. I pray that we would respond to you today. Some of us may need to say, say you know what, I, I know this is my church home, but I haven't yet come and joined this church. And I know I need to do that today. And I pray that folks would maybe make that decision even today. Lord, whatever it is, however we need to respond, Lord, speak to our hearts. As you move, help us to move. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.